What do you look for when it comes to leadership, especially in the church? Business expertise? Oratorical skill? Advanced degrees? Organizational savvy? Musical ability? Years of experience? Good looks or a powerful voice? A winning personality? All of those are good and well. And if a new leader brings some of these to the table, well, all the better. But what are the key things? The things which ought to be non-negotiable. The things which go beyond our wish list of preferences to what we really need. The things which ought to make us say, He's our guy. Some thoughts on that today out of 1 Chronicles 27.16-29. through 29. I'm Reed Ferguson, and you're listening to Through the Word in 2020. It's interesting to see how all three of our passages today dovetail. 1 Chronicles, Luke 6.12-16, through 16, and Colossians 1.3-14. In Colossians... Paul marks out the value of Epaphras' ministry by simply saying, quote, He is a faithful minister of Christ. Close quote. Probably not the first item on the list of most pastoral search committees, but oft repeated in the New Testament. Then, when Jesus appoints his apostles to leadership in Luke 6, he's not drawing from the best schooled and certainly not from the most experienced. I dare say that many would argue that leadership is no place to learn the ropes. Yet this is precisely what Jesus did with his disciples. Some things must be, and can only be, learned on the job. It does not mean they are not responsible, they are. But neither must every man be so fully equipped before he enters into service that there's no room for mistakes or growth. We must beware of not choosing total novices on the one hand and of not requiring more than is meet. Which brings us back to David's charge to Solomon, his son, as he's about to enter into leadership over Israel. And four things which are indispensable, in my opinion, but again rarely seen on the qualifications list of most pulpit committees. Here are the priorities of true leadership as outlined in that text. First, knowing God, not just knowing about him. Quote, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Close quote. Many know lots about God, the Bible, and maybe even doctrine. But we need men in leadership who know God personally those we can get a sense of as walking with him in private, who carry on an ongoing living relationship with God. Second, the text notes serving God, and this David marks out in two categories. A, serving God with a whole heart. They've given themselves to serving God above just having a ministry or a career. B, serving God with a willing mind. One lexicon says the word willing means one who takes pleasure and delight in serving the Lord. Whether they have a position, a career in ministry, or not, 
They will seek places to serve and do so with joy, irrespective of life circumstances. Third, seeking God that he may be found. One who makes it their practice personally to be seeking the Lord, seeking to know him more, serve him better, walk with him more closely, love what he loves and hate what he hates. One who has a personal passion to grow in their relationship with him. And fourth, being careful and strong in the building of Christ's house, the church. Having the goal of building up the saints in the most holy faith, not worried about building up a reputation, a ministry, or championing a cause. These are the ones we look for. And granted, these qualities may not be as easily discernible as the ones which fall more easily into categories of gifts or abilities. But these are those who will lead his church because of where they are going. They are pursuing Christ and Christ-likeness. Follow them as they follow him. God willing, we'll be back tomorrow.